Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we are kicking off a new series, um, but the staff picks on me because I always, we come rolling up a new series and go, oh, I'm so excited about this series. And they're like, one day I want you to just say, you know what, I, I think this series is going to just be kind of, meh. You're all, Pastor, you're always excited about the series. Well, I hope I am always excited about this series. They are exciting. And this new series, we're simply called Refreshing. And you know, I like to play on words a little bit. And, and so we're, we're breaking this up. And it's, it's not going to be about having Sprite or some other bubbly drink and, and being refreshed. This is about, about being fresh again. And that's what this new life in Christ is really all about. It's about being fresh all over again. So if you have your version app and you're following along there, you have your written bulletin in your hand, let's just go ahead and get into these notes. Because uh, the concept we're going to come back to over and over again is that real transformation comes from being a new creation, not, <clears throat> sorry, real transformation comes from being a new creation, from being fresh again. See, we were made in the image of God. Humanity decided to go its own way, and that's when corruption and decay entered into this process of life. And it was never supposed to be that. See, we were wired to live. That's why death stinks. We hate it on every form. Someone could live to be 120, be smiling all their days, everyone have their nice goodbyes. They lived a full life, and everybody cries their eyes out. Somebody could have a, a life cut tragically short, and everybody cries their eyes out. Why? Because we were built for life. We weren't built for death. We don't know how to do death. It's not in our original creation and our original makeup. We weren't built for it. We don't know how to do it. We, we are wired to say goodbye, I mean, to say hello and never goodbye. That's what we're wired for. We're wired to say hi. Great to be around. That's why goodbyes to loved ones are so difficult. All that. Because we're wired to, for community and to be together. And then we went our own way. Destruction and decay. Death came in. And Jesus said that he came that we may have life. And then we may have it to the full. See, the truth is, is that this thing about being <coughs> being born again, having new life, it really is new life. We really were dead in our trespasses. It's not just figurative. We were dead, and when we embrace the life God gives us, we are now spiritually alive again. And that new life begins to dictate everything in our lives. We're going to look at the message translation here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. See it, it's right there. It really does, it exists. That's what we're called to, is to look and to focus and embrace the new life. That's what God has given us. And so many times we can, we can miss it. If we don't look for the new life, we'll gravitate back to the old decayed patterns that are around us all over the place. But even in the middle of the decay, God is bringing new life. And we have 
to look at it. If you've been around Celebration Church for any length of time, you've, you've heard this story, and I just don't have a better one to explain this. So just there'll be people who this is their first time and enjoy it for them. And, and so, um, but whenever I was about uh, 10 or 11 years old, um, my parents needed a break from parenting and uh, packed me and my sisters up and took us to Andrews, Texas, to my uh, my grand's house, my dad's mom's house, and, and we were going to spend the weekend there. And then um, another one of the grandkids on that side was there as well, and, and she was about five years old. And so we're there at my grand's house having a, having a good time, and she had a pecan tree in the backyard. And, and at this point in my life, I'd still not fully embraced my physical awkwardness. And so uh, I'm not an athletic individual. And so I don't have those little snap moves. My, my finger is jammed right now from playing basketball with my children two weeks ago. It still hurts. And so I should learn. I'm not wired for this. And so, but when I was 10, I still thought maybe I had like some, some, some skill somewhere. And I'm not a gymnast at all. I can't do a cartwheel. I can't do a round off. I can do a splat. I, that's what I can do. And so every time I've tried, it's just splat. And, but for whatever reason, it just, I decided in this moment that not only did I have some gymnastic ability, that I could do a handstand for the first time ever, but I was going to do it in a tree, on a tree limb. So my little five-year-old cousin is there, and I'm trying to entertain her, and I tell her to, hey, watch this trick. And I get up in the tree, and I get a limb, and I start to do my handstand, and I get my feet, and I'm using the branches to kind of prop me up so I don't flop over. And I get my, I get my handstand going. And what I didn't realize is the limb I chose was a dead limb. And as I get all my weight good on that limb, it snaps. And I just Superman straight to the ground, just boom, and break my wrist. Only time I've ever broken a bone in my life. Well, my cousin thinks it's all part of the act. She's like, oh, do it again, do it again. She thinks it's all part of it. And so I'm rolling around on the ground and I'm crying. My parents had not even made it back to Odessa yet. They get the call, have to turn around, come back to the hospital in Andrews. And, and I get, my, get a cast. And, and anyways, it was, just, it was just foolish. But here I was trying to step out in something new. But basing it on something that was dead. And so many times as Christ followers, we try to do that. We go, you know what? It's a new year. God, I'm going to come and I'm going I'm to repent of everything. And, and I just want another chance. You know what? This isn't, Christianity isn't about another chance. It's about a new life. It's about recognizing that there was nothing we could do on our own and that Christ did it all and he gives us a new life. That's what this Christian life is about. That is what this is in its totality. We have to recognize that and if we try to build on the old broken system of just reaching down and pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and dragging ourselves up, it will never, ever, ever work. It will never work. It will never work. You try to turn over a new leaf, and guess what? You find out the other side's just as dead, as ugly as the first one. It's just the way it goes. So as we look at being refreshed, 
that this isn't going in and, and going into church and getting a little Holy Ghost water on your face and knocking off some of the smudges of life and going, oh, okay, I'm fresh again. No, it's about letting God do something on the inside, new on the inside. See, God wants to make us a new creation, not a cleaned up, old creation. And so many times we want these little, these little workarounds to try to get to the fresh result without it actually being fresh. Because fresh is different than stale. It's just, there's just, that's when everything is the way it's supposed to be. Now, a few years ago, we were doing one of our very first fundraisers for, with our kids' church, and we had done some Krispy Kreme sales. So everybody loves a good Krispy Kreme donut. Of course, this time of the year, it says, boo, Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme. So, uh, yeah, you just wait a couple weeks. You're going to be having a whole box all by yourself. <laughs> we'll have prayer partners for that day. <laughs> and cry, cry all that sugar right out. And so... But we went to go pick up our Krispy Kreme donuts, and, and Keenan uh, and I had made the journey. San Antonio, we're waiting in line, and, and Keenan at that point was just not a donut guy. Just, he just didn't like them a whole lot. So we're standing in line, and the Krispy Kreme, when, they, when the hot sign is on, you can go in. Um, when the, that, that, hot, that red hot sign is connected to my steering wheel. And we're in San Antonio, and we see the hot sign is exit. And we we're going to go get a donut. And um, so we're standing in line waiting to, to pick up our kajillion dozens of donuts. And they're handing out the fresh hot ones. They come off that little conveyor belt. They get all the little glazed waterfall falling on them. Fresh hot out of the oil. They come over and they pick it up. And they hand it to you. And this donut is seconds old. You can't get any fresher than this donut. It is seconds old. It's awesome. And so, and Keenan is standing there, and so they hand him a donut, and he's a nice southern boy, and he took what was handed him, and we're talking, and I take my donut, and I eat it, and enjoy it. And Keenan's talking and running his mouth like he normally does, and, and, and so, and he's right, and then all of a sudden, he pauses long enough to take a bite, and I wish I'd had a video camera for that moment. Because he, he wasn't like anticipating it. He wasn't like excited about it. He was just putting it in his mouth. And he put it in his mouth and bit it. And his eyes went. Oh! Oh! That's the best donut ever! But it totally caught him by surprise. And it was awesome. And then he sits there and he was like, here we are, a church group. We're trying to pick it up donuts, and he gets in line for four free donuts. <laughs> he just gets back in line. Like, Son, you are abusing this. <laughs> he tried to do the fake mustache like he was a different person. <laughs> Put on one of them little hats. I'm like, Son. And those donuts are awesome. Those fresh donuts, they are. They're like grab you, stop you in your tracks. They're good. They're good. But you have to have them fresh. You have to have them fresh. Well, then you see people say, well, you know what? You can have the fresh, hot Krispy Kreme donut experience if you take one of those donuts that you brought back and you stick it in the microwave for five seconds. And then you imagine yourself in line. <laughs> you reach into that microwave and utter disappointment. <laughs> it is not the same. 
I don't care what you try to do to it, what you try to dress it up. If it's not fresh, it's not fresh. I'm telling you, God has called us in Christ to have a fresh life. And so many believers are going around settling for five seconds nuked life here and there. A little pick-me-up, a little something here, and trying to call that fresh. I love it that, that in the scriptures, when the people of God were traveling through the wilderness, that he, he gave them an appetite for freshness from him every day. The manna from heaven fell every day, and it was fresh. And if they tried to eat yesterday's, it had turned to worms and maggots and was nasty and unedible. Why, is God just being mean? Did God just be a mean on that? No, what he wanted, he said, I don't want you to make one time you show up, you scrape everything up, you say, thanks God, I'll be back when this is empty. He says, no, I want you to be hungry for me every day. I got something fresh for you every day. That is what this fresh life in Christ is about. It's about Having every day, 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to go back to this again. It says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and all those, <clears throat> that all those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. See, Paul says we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now what, if we were, what happens if we regard someone from a worldly point of view? We're going to see the old messed up. Broken parts. So what Paul says, is says, don't, don't look at people through that lens. Look for the new life. Look for the new life. People come to me, Pastor, I, you know, I, I, was doing good for, I was doing good for a week on this thing that God is growing me in. And then I fell on my face and I just feel terrible. And I'm like, woohoo! And they're like, what? And I'm like, you did good for a week. There's some new life there. Quit beating yourself up that there was a little relapse on this or that. Grab a hold of the new life. God is showing you that there's something at work here. We tend to fixate on the, the places that are broken and decay. Instead of looking at the new life, you will never, ever, ever live a life refreshed if you look at the broken parts all the time. You won't. You won't. And all you'll end up doing is cultivating and you'll stomp all over the fresh growth Staring at the messed up stuff. Oh man, that part, that part of the garden of my life is all messed up. And you're trampling all over some fresh stuff. Back up and enjoy the good fresh stuff that God is doing in your life. When we were on that trip that I mentioned earlier, uh, we got to go to Disney and have a great time. And when you have a family as big as ours, uh, when you ask for kid volunteers, well, we've got a pretty good percentage of them in the audience. So we're at this little show in Epcot, and it was sponsored by Velcro, and so they were doing all this stuff, and it was this little funny, um, like a TV show thing, and 
So we're sitting on the benches, and they need some volunteers. Well, my kids raise their hands. Well, sure enough, all four volunteers that he calls are Clark kids. And so, again, high percentage that that was going to happen. And so I have my kids, two kids versus two kids, up here on this stage having to build this Velcro-shaped tower. And they've got these blocks, and they have to build this tower. And whoever can build the biggest tower that doesn't fall over wins. And so the kids are going at it, and, and Weston has built his tower, and Carson has stayed over here, and he just keeps putting all these blocks on the foundation. He won't stick a block anywhere that can't go directly on the foundation. There was one big block, and he just, he's sitting there, he's like five years old, and he's just sticking it over. Well, guess what? His doesn't fall over. Well, Weston, he's going for it, man. He's going He's going for the skyscraper. He's going to, so he keeps building it up, and he can feel that it is not going to work. So the guy, the guy tells him, and Weston is standing up against it like this and letting his creation kind of lean on him. And he's just like, and the guy's like, um, can you step back? And he steps back, and the tower just, it just crumbles. It just falls apart. And man, and so many times we find ourselves that way, that we find everything when we try to build it our way. We don't keep everything connected to the foundation. We eventually, we have to prop it up. And you know what happens when you have to prop your life up? Eventually, it, you get tired. You get tired. You get wore out. All of a sudden, the freedom you had is gone because you have to prop this part of your life up and you can't back away from it for a second or all it's all going to come down. Trying to do life in your own strength is you propping it up instead of saying, I'm going to bring every piece that I can and I'm going to stick it on the foundation piece of God and I'm going to build everything there. You try to go off and say, okay, I've got this little win in my life. I'm now I'm going to build off that. No, I'm telling you, it's going to fall down. See, Galatians 6, 15 says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. And you're like, okay, well, this is, this is weird scripture. Um, and so but what this is saying is there's two groups of people in Paul's world. There were those who were of the circumcision group. There were those who were the Jewish people. And they grew up understanding the law and understanding that there was a one God and that he had a plan. And then there were those who were the rest of the world and, and were clueless and just doing their lives. And for so long, it, everybody thought it came down to whether you were this or that. And Paul is wrecking that. And he says it has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with if you've embraced a new creation. It doesn't, know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you've been raised up with, with a God knowledge your whole life or you're brand new to this thing. The new creation is what this is about. He said earlier in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. And as I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, living refreshed, it's not about following a list of rules, but it's about God's power living in us. About God's power living in us. I don't know if any of y'all like to watch uh, the New Year's Tournament of Roses parade, but it's, we have that on. It's pretty, you know, uh, safe stuff to have on uh, the family TV. And so we've got the Tournament of Roses parade and watch the Rose Parade taking place. And, and um, anyways, we've done that year after year and enjoy watching all these creations that are made with things that were once alive. 
And so they put all these living things on there, which you could preach that. Once living things, you preach that all day long. But what I want to talk about is in one of the early days of um, the Tournament of Roses Parade, of course, you have all these corporate entrants. And so they have their things. And sure enough, this uh, float is just traveling along, traveling along in the middle of the parade route, and it sputters and dies. So it's stuck there. This parade, it ran out of gas. This parade float ran out of gas. It's stuck. It's not going anywhere. Backs up the bands, backs up the horses, backs up the twirlers, backs up everybody. They can't do their thing. And somebody has to go find a, a gas can, pour some gas into this float so that it can get fired up and keep everything going again. Shuts the whole thing down for a good period of time. Now here's what's funny. Is the name on the side of this float, what this float has been sponsored by was Standard Oil. And if you remember your history, it got broken up into Exxon and Mobil and Texaco. It was this massive oil company that the, that the country said was so powerful it had to be broken up. And, and government had to intervene on this thing. So here is this massive oil company that has all the gas and, res, and reserves at its fingertips. And it sputters and dies because nobody accessed it. Folks, we don't want to be those kinds of believers. We are the children of the King. We have a God who loves us and the Holy Spirit that empowers us. We have access to, to endless amount of power and authority in our lives. And how sad if we don't access it and use it. And we wonder why as Christ followers our lives can begin to sputter and, and, and slow everything down and block up everything for everyone that's associated with us and in our lives. When all we have to do is access what's already ours in Christ. What's already ours. Hebrews 7.18 says the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. That's the law. The law for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Paul says to the Galatian church in uh, chapter 3. He says, are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? No, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to live by the spirit. We begin to look at Ephesians. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy... Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. God's workmanship. He's the one working on us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works by which God prepared, prepared in, in advance for us to do. See, it's we are his workmanship. He's the one working on us. And then as we do that, then he has prepared things for us to do. Yes, you have a unique calling. Yes, you have a unique destiny. Yes, you have a ministry. But it's not something you do for God. It's something God does through you. And we have to be willing to let His infinite power be at work in us. 
See, the difference between being stuck in the old life and embracing the refreshed life is, is letting love lead. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision... Oh, we already read that. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The whole New Year's resolution thing has come up a few times already. And I honestly believe that most of our New Year's resolution things happen whenever we're a little bit reflective and we recognize that that God's got probably something more for us. But I think so many times we don't follow through with these things that are genuinely on our hearts, whether it's a financial turnaround or a fitness turnaround or, or some sort of something else we want in our lives, that we don't walk those things out because we've not coupled those things with love. We've not done it motivated by love. See, so many times we get motivated by disgust. We look at our bank account and we get disgusted and say, I'm going to do something else about this. We happen to catch an image of ourselves in the mirror that we were not anticipating. See, guys anticipate seeing themselves in the mirror. And we fix stuff. Mm, no, I still got it. All right. And, uh, and we are disgusted. We have some annoying habit in our lives and we're disgusted. And we're like, okay, with this year, I don't want to be disgusted at the end of the year and I want to change things. Disgust only goes so far. But love, love changes everything. There's some love motivations to begin to eat healthier and, and carry a healthier weight and be physically fit. Those love motivations could be the people that depend on you and, and love you. All of a sudden you say, you know what, it's not because I want to look good in, in my clothes. It's I just want to be around as long as I possibly can. I want to be able to do these different things. I want to have some energy so I can, I can live up my life a, a little more <coughs> active for the people I care about and for the kingdom of God. We invite love into those places and all of a sudden the motivation changes forever. My papa started smoking at a really early age. And smoking was just a real normal thing then. And he had a pipe. And man, if, if it would burn, he would smoke it. That whole thing, put that in your pipe and smoke it. He did. And so, at like 10. And so, and they would smoke grapevine. And they'd grind stuff up and just whatever they could. They were too poor to have tobacco. So they'd just smoke whatever. And so, anyways, but then eventually he was able to get, he was able to get some tobacco, and he smoked. And just in the society, everybody just smoked. And, and then sure enough, along in the 50s, it, we began to see that smoking's not healthy. And my mother went to my grandfather, who had a multiple-pack-a-day habit, who had wanted to quit. And she tells him, she says, Daddy, please, it, this isn't good for you. This, this doesn't work for you. It's going to kill you. And, and he had wanted to quit and all these different things. And finally, when my mom was about eight years old and standing beside his chair and asking him to quit and crying because she didn't want him to die, he crumpled up his last pack of cigarettes and never smoked again. Now, is that going to be a difficult nicotine thing to break? Sure. But what was the, what was the difference? Love was the difference. See, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. 
But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Now he's talking to the Galatian church. This isn't yelling out at the world who's, who's lost its mind and is tearing at each other. You're going, guess what world? If you bite and devour each other, you're going to be destroyed by each other. No, he's talking right here. Sweet little church folks. And said, if you bite and devour one another, you're going to be destroyed by each other. A term that's not used hardly anymore, but it's around a long time, is that this is a dog-eat-dog world. And so many times we can find ourselves in that place. God's not called us to that. He's changed everything. And he says for us to serve one another humbly in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in verse 16 it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and will you not gratify the, the desires of the flesh? So how does a dog-eat-dog world get transformed? How does a dog-eat-dog church get transformed? Dog-eat-dog group of Christ followers get transformed. If somebody has to say, I'm not biting back. We would like to say, okay, we're just calling a cease bite. No more biting. But that doesn't happen. So we have to call within ourselves a cease bite. I know people are going to bite me. People are going to gnash at me. People are going to do that. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to bite back. And as we refuse to bite back, we invite love to begin to work into those places, into those key relationships, into all of those moments. As we wrap this up, John, chapter 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our bottom line today is in Christ, you're a new creation. You are refreshed. He's the one that's done it. It's not go get refreshed, make yourself refreshed. It's in Christ you are. And begin to let that live out. See, fresh life comes when we let God do something fresh in us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.